1: From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. Great pleasure to be with you, as always. Join us during the week, by the way. Fox Business. Fox Business News. FBN, the name of the show is Kudlow. And it runs from 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. So have a look-see. Anyway, we're going to bring back a great friend And really, I think uh, Wall Street's number one policy analyst as far as Washington goes. Nobody does the work that Dan Clifton does. He's a partner and head of policy research at Strategus Research Partners. Uh, My great pal, Jason Trenner. uh. So, Dan, thanks for coming back on.
0: Larry, it's great to be here. Thanks for I'm, having me
1: today. I, I'm reading, I mean, your reports have been become voluminous, but then again, there's a voluminous amount of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, there is. Yep. <laughs> so, look, at. let me just, um, <laughs> before I dig in on some of the sanctions and so forth, yep. this um, debate or argument or whatever between Rick Scott and yeah. Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah. Now, Scott's got... Uh, a ten point plan or eleven point plan uh i don't know the details. I have read uh, a couple things. I read his op ed piece in the journal. You probably yep. did too I did yep. um I mean, I think the guy's on the right track, and um i don't know why Mitch McConnell's so opposed I mean, look they're gonna, the cavalry's coming in November. Republicans are going to do very very well I think uh But, you know, going after Biden's big government socialism, of course, that's what we have to do because it's crazy. But, 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 Dan, it's good to have some positive ideas about growth, prosperity, jobs, security and so forth and so on. What's wrong with what Rick Scott's doing?
0: Yeah, you know, my my mother used to say it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So it's more about process rather than the ideas itself. And we can Uh, get into the details of that. But I think you're absolutely correct. We're looking at a, not a wave, a tsunami election in November. Could be as many as 40, 50 House seats, probably four or five Senate seats. And so the Republicans are going to walk away with an election, if the trajectory remains the same as it is today, with sort of a mandate to govern. And there's going to be a lot of division between the parties about what that means. Does that mean that there's got to be Hunter Biden investigations and... NIH, what happened with Dr. Fauci, you're probably going to see some of that. But you also need a pro-growth agenda that is then says, this is what we got elected on. And I think, to the Republicans' credit, they're trying to figure out what that is. It may not have been totally formulated or consensus amongst the group, but I think it's a positive development that we're talking about what the ideas should be. Larry, just let me make one caveat to that. All of this is nice. But it really doesn't matter because this is going to be the energy election. And if the Democrats do not get religion here on energy policy, they're going to get wiped out even more. And that's going to be the basis of the Republican policies once they come in. Then we can continue to do 100 percent expensing, something that you've championed for a long time as part of that, because we want more investment. We could start talking about lower government spending. I'm so encouraged by labor force participation in the jobs numbers yesterday. As Mm -hmm. soon as we got rid of those transfer payments, uh, labor force participation keeps going up. Those are the policies that I think will be important. So there's a debate about what the policy should be. That's healthy. Mm -hmm. I think by the time we get to November, we'll be moving in the same direction here. And it will be driven by energy
1: policy. You're right. You're right. You're right. Energy policies. Uh, And I think, Dan... There's a common sense to this that has eluded the Biden White House. I mean, this jihad against fossil fuels, uh, no new leases onshore or (laughs) offshore. Everybody's attacking them at the very moment when gas. I mean, I don't know how high gasoline prices are going to go, but they're pretty high already. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's I I think common sense. Ordinary folks. don't understand why we can't have uh, oil and gas. I mean, the country is not falling apart. We're not choking to death. It's like a made-up story, this climate risk, existential climate, all that nonsense. And I think the Democrats are going to get clobbered on that. Absolutely. Not because we're all climate scientists, but because people are pragmatic. And they just they scratch their head and they go, huh? We're going to batteries are fine, Dan. But if you can't mine them, we need the we need the lithium. We need the nickel and all that stuff, which, by the way, is carbon intensive. And it's people are going to scratch their head. They're going to say the Democrats, I don't get it. I don't understand where you're taking us.
0: Larry, let me give you one leading uh, example of this last year. It was about schools, particularly in the Virginia election. Uh, yes. As soon as ideology took over and kids stopped getting educated, the parents revolted. Mm-hmm. Now that's happening on energy policy, and it's been brewing for some time. The cost of living has been a driver in our polling data since June of last year. It's the first time in my lifetime where, uh, in politics where inflation is greater than unemployment. Because we have a 3.8% unemployment rate and a 7% inflation rate. And where that's felt most is at the gas pump. Just as voters said, we just want our kids to get educated, and we're going to throw people out if they are going to get ideological about it. They're now doing that on climate change. You want to get ideological about climate change? We're going to throw you out, and we are going to put somebody in there who's going to get our cost of living down. Look at what's happening in Germany. This is such a seismic event. Germany is saying... Well, you know, that climate change stuff we were worried about in 2035, we're not so worried about that anymore because we're watching our borders get encroached on, and we're dependent on Russian energy. So we're going to delay the cancellation of our nukes. We're going to continue on coal. It's practical uh, policy, and it's not being opposed by the Greens. So now you bring that over here into the United States – And you say, what does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to have more LNG. That means we're going to be doing more exporting. Those are the issues that are going to take over here until somebody gets this right and gets those gasoline prices down. So I tend to think the ideological push will eventually have to go away because it's unsustainable. The same way we're seeing the COVID and the education policies begin to shift because they fail to educate our kids.
1: You know Dan it's an interesting point very good point the german greens yep. are now opening up their minds yes. to let's say lng yep. all right and so the socialist party uh, uh, schultz now he's changed on a couple things which is very interesting because of russia putin and ukraine but 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 they're going to go now and develop lng terminals yep. remember yep. They started to build when Merkel started, and then the moment Trump lost, she she killed it. Exactly. But now they're more reasonable. They're saying that uh, natural gas may be a renewable. They're willing to accept natural gas. Exactly right. That's a big thing. Exactly their their right. greens are smarter than our greens. Exactly.
0: That's but <laughs> eventually we'll get there. I want you to think about the absurdity of what we're doing in this country right now. We would rather have Iranian oil than yeah. – than Canadian oil. We would rather release oil out of our strategic petroleum reserve, the emergency reserve, than go do offshore and regular drilling here in the United States. It's absurd what we are doing. It's also unsustainable. And so it's okay to be worried about climate change and the effects that that's going to have, if that's something that people believe, when you are not in geopolitical events, but the geopolitical world has changed. Mm. Borders are changing, invasions are happening, and now you have to focus on what's important. And that's what Germany's doing eventually. The United States is going to do it. But the events of the last couple of weeks has basically confirmed what President Trump was telling Europe. You need 2% of your budget for defense purposes, as NATO requires. You need to be importing more LNG Uh, from the United States and getting off your dependency of Russia, and they browbeated the president for that. Mm -hmm. And they have learned the hard way and the way that you don't want to learn, but they are learning, and that's why I think energy security is now national security, and this is a big, big change that's happened over the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love the energy election theme, Dan. I love that. I'm going to pick up on that, I'm going to carry that ball. It's a great... You're absolutely right, and The pragmatists will defeat the ideologues. Exactly. You know, because Americans are, they're really pragmatists, aren't they? They're common sense people. That's right. I mean, that's going to be a big thing. Let's shift over. Talk to me. uh, I have your latest piece, which is awfully good. Uh, Tremendous detail here. Um, One thing that interests me is that a lot of American businesses, a lot of American companies are self-sanctioning. You know, and even I mean, look, we have got to stop the Russian uh, exports of oil. I mean, I mean, there's and I think it's going to get through the Congress. But I've noticed uh, companies are just taking actions on their own, not, you know, not to buy and sell Russian oil, not to finance Russian oil. I've never really seen anything quite like that before.
0: I I have never either. And this is what we call soft sanctions. So, you know, we spent a lot of time in November, December, January, trying to develop a sanctions list. We had a good playbook from President Trump on China, things that we did with Iran last decade. So we thought, you know, we had a good idea of what the range of outcomes were. Uh, I do have to give some credit to the United States and its global partners for really ramping these up and making them as painful as possible. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to, Generally, collapse the Russian economy, make this as painful for Putin as possible. It's not going to stop him. But there's going to be economic sanctions. What I've been most surprised about is by the public companies that are doing these soft sanctions and saying, well, we're not going to do business there anymore. My my colleague, Courtney Rosenberger, who just is the best at identifying this relationship between stocks and Washington, she has – I mean, it's a full list of companies, full page of companies that are doing this. And they're also underperforming the S&P 500. So the way I would best explain this is that companies – are putting aside their own profit interest to actually cut Russia off. Russia is going to be extremely isolated. And what I would argue is that after decades of integrating into the global economy, within weeks, Russia is now isolated out of there. And it will be a very long time before they come back. The question is how sustainable will this be for businesses to remain there? Right now it's like the cool thing to divest and do this, but my my sense is that you'll know you start to see less and less of this over time. It's just the cool thing now not to be doing this, but there's a real risk here. And so we look at what's happening on the short-term basis right now, but we also have to think about the long-term consequences of what we are doing. And, And so it might feel good right now on some of this, but when the next event happens, which may not be as severe as what's going on, there will be a call for companies to divest from another country, even if it, you know, if it meets some society goals. So mm-hmm. we've got to be very careful here on the divestment side and what that test is for divestment. I would also say that the U.S. put sanctions on the Russian central bank. They froze the Russian yep. central bank assets We estimate about half of those assets are actually in G7 countries. Mm -hmm. That makes it harder for Russia to be able to uh, evade the existing sanctions. But if you're a central bank around the world right now, you're looking at this saying, hmm, maybe I shouldn't be in all-king dollars. And in the short run, you know that's where you want to be. But in the long run, there may be a diversification because we went nuclear here and – basically put this dollar sanctioning in place. And you've got to be very careful doing that with a reserve currency. And I'll be the first one to admit that there is no alternative right now, but you probably see cryptocurrencies and other alternatives begin to emerge and probably more Russians having bank accounts in China because you've got to treat capital well outside the national security realm. Now we've integrated with national security and we're setting some precedents. So we've got to be very careful mixing those short-term sanctions with long-run incentives to remain the dollar and the US the place where you want to put your
1: capital but but it is interesting the dollar the DXY dollar has held up very yep. well it's actually and crazy. and also and and bitcoin has not rallied yep. i mean it hasn't it hasn't collapsed either it's just you know it had gotten it was in a correction mode uh, i don't know where yep. it is 40,000 something or other. But I haven't seen any big changes in those market prices.
0: No I, no, I I mean, there have been some bounces. You might want to look at Ethereum. So there, there may be a couple of them. We're starting what's to look the, at what's it. What's Ethereum I, I doing? To, I can continue to try and think about the long run, like energy security being national security. That's a long run consequence of this. Germany really kind of using natural gas as part of their renewable strategy, long term consequence. Those are going to be game changers. We just need to be careful because we are the reserve currency. And we want to be able to use this in as delicate of a manner as we can, while still achieving our policy goals.
1: You know, I think um, another risk here is this Ukraine story is going to go on for a while. Yes. In other words, what and and my crystal ball is not any good, and I'm not a military strategist or analyst. But I, from what I read and and what General Keane tells me in this. Um, so Russia's going to take Ukraine, yep. unfortunately. They'll wear him down next few weeks. Uh, you know, sorry, but and Zelensky is a hero, but God knows what's going to happen to him. But yep. the point is, if they do, and if they put their own puppet in yep. Kiev, there's going to be continuous uh, warfare, Dan, in the streets, in the cities, block by block. In other words... Russia's going to have a hard time occupying Ukraine. Absolutely. And so I'm just thinking that all these self-sanctions, whether they're hard sanctions or soft sanctions, this is going to be a longer-term term story. And I think the Russian economic isolation is going to continue. Absolutely. I mean, I they're, think it's going to be devastating for yeah,
0: them. Yeah, I, I do too. This is, know, um, this
1: is not a couple of weeks, Dan. This is going to go on for a long time.
0: This is it, right? Like, this could all end today, but getting those sanctions off are probably going to be very, very long mm-hmm. time
1: alone. Mm-hmm.
0: OK. Number two is that um, the consensus did not believe Putin would go into Ukraine for the reason that they believe that it's easy to take Ukraine, but it's really hard to hold Ukraine. The U.S. learned some of that mm-hmm. in the Middle East over the last mm-hmm. couple of decades. OK. I always thought he was going to go in, even with that risk. And if I could just make this prediction today, I think we're going to move away from the puppet government idea to him just getting rid of statehood altogether for Ukraine, where it just becomes part of Russia, because that's what I believe his ultimate goal is. He's been saying that Ukraine is not going to be a country. Okay, so if that's the case, that means he wants to be part of Russia. So I think you'll start to see that shift. But the resistance in the Ukraine right, will right. be so strong that right. it's actually going to be more controversial for them. So what I've been arguing to my clients is, is that if you have this outcome where this is long lasting, oil prices will still remain elevated. And not just mm-hmm. oil, commodity prices. You're cutting Ukraine off from the sea where they export out their their agriculture products, which are pretty plentiful, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all these issues out there this is why energy policy is so important if it is going to be cut off over there then it needs to be increased over here that's the way that i would think about it but look at what's going on in germany the market is clearly pricing in a recession that's going to happen in europe the u.s yield curve is flattening very quickly getting very close to an inversion you know that that's always a danger sign that there's a policy mistake and and, and gasoline prices and oil prices have been the most significant factor in creating recessions here in the United States. Now, I'm not saying we're going to have a recession, but why would we even play with this? Where's the urgency to make sure that this does not happen? Because you are 100 percent right, Larry. This is not going away in a couple of weeks. That means those commodity prices are going to remain elevated. We want to be able to deal with that from a risk management perspective to ensure consumers are not paying six, seven dollars a gallon gasoline. And and that's what I would like to see from our policymakers. That's what I'll be addressing with my clients on Monday in our note that that we'll be sending out.
1: Now we could we could adopt policies that reduce taxes, reduce regulations And promote oil and gas Absolutely. to fight this recession. Absolutely. We could, all right. So that's got to be a part of the story for this election. I mean, it gives, it gives Republicans a tremendous opening. It plays it plays to their breadbasket. Absolutely, uh, they got to take advantage of that.
0: But Larry, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission two weeks ago.
1: Oh, I know. I know. Rule. I know. Limit energy
0: infrastructure, and LNG exports. That's what we need in this country. So we're going in the opposite direction. And if I would put one person on the radar screen for people to watch, it's Senator Manchin from West Virginia. Mm. Boy, was he fired up in the Senate Energy Committee hearing this week Mm. to go after them. So if there's going to be somebody who can pull Democrats over so that the country policy can become more practical than ideological, it's going to be him. But they were really upset when he put out his counter proposal to Build Back Better this week Mm -hmm. and and basically said we need fossil fuels in here, (laughs) like heads were exploding. So, you know, the Democrats are still in this kind of ideological sense. And that's why it starts to become an election issue. If you're going to resist, then it's going to be used against you in the election. And I do think that voters are going to be quite practical about
1: it. I had him as a guest Wednesday. That's what he said. Yeah, he absolutely said that. Yep. And uh, there isn't going to be any build back better. There's, it's not going to happen. Right. And he said to me, well, he said something like, Larry, I can't change. <laughs> something like that. That's all he said. All right, Dan Clifton, you are the best of the best, folks. He is uh, partner and head of policy research at Strategus Research Partners. Dan Clifton, thanks, buddy. Talk soon. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. We'll be back in just a few moments.